Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, folks. Luke's English Podcast is sponsored by italki, the perfect solution if you're looking for one-to-one lessons or regular conversations with a native English speaker or qualified teacher. It's very simple to use. There are loads of teachers to choose, and uh, they all have like little introductory videos. You can have uh, sample lessons with them, which are cheaper than normal lessons. And when you find the right person and you buy some talking time, italki will send you a voucher for a free lesson because they're nice and because they sponsor this podcast. For more information and to get the offer, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash talk or click an italki logo on my website. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello there. Welcome back to Luke's English Podcast. How are you today? Are you doing okay? I hope you are. I hope you're surviving out there in the world, this crazy, crazy world that we live in. I hope you're doing okay. I hope you're managing to basically survive and get by. Here we are again uh, with Luke's English Podcast speaking to you in your headphones, I suppose. I predict that most of you will be listening to this using headphones. Some of you will be listening in the car. If that is the case, then please do drive carefully don't tailgate. You know what tailgating is? That's when you drive really close to the car in front of you. Don't do that. That's the most annoying thing in the universe. Please, can everyone just stop doing that? That's a terrible, terrible thing. You know what I mean when you're driving along. Da, 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 I'm just driving along, minding my own business. And then suddenly, oh, there's a car right up my ass. And you know that if you have to stop, if a dog runs in front of the car and you have to stop, then bang, they're going to crash right into you. Tailgating is horrible. Please stop doing it. Anyway, Welcome to the podcast. Uh, This is the sixth and final part of this particular episode run about Alan Partridge. I might come back to continue with part seven and onwards at a later date. But here is part six. And in this one, we're going to conclude the storyline that we started in part four of this series. So we're listening to some clips from this award-winning TV comedy from 1997, I think it was. It's over 20 years old now. But Alan Partridge is still a popular character and he's still on TV these days with new shows coming this year or early next year, apparently. But I've chosen this episode from 1997 because it follows on from the stuff that we listened to in previous episodes. Again, if you haven't heard the other parts in this series, I suggest you go back and listen to them first. So either in your app that you're using, your podcasting app, scroll through. And if you're looking for like episodes one to three, I think it's something like around about episode 550 and then episodes four and five are very recent the ones just before this i think uh so check them out so we're going to continue and conclude the story from this episode which is episode two from series one it's actually called alan attraction so here's a recap of what has happened in alan attraction so far so it's it happens to be valentine's day 
uh, in this episode. And Alan has been sending chocolate oranges to women that he knows aged 50 and under. A chocolate orange is a thing that we have in the UK. I don't know if you have them in other countries. Maybe it's just like a weird British thing. I don't know. Alan's been sending chocolate oranges to women he knows aged 50 and under. The thing is, all the chocolate oranges are shop-soiled. Uh, which means that they're probably ones that have been on display in shops and then taken off display and sent back to Rawlinson's for some reason, maybe because they're slightly damaged. The boxes are damaged, probably. There's some superficial damage to the box. And so Rawlinson's have got all these shop-soiled chocolate oranges. They don't know what to do with them. So they've somehow done a deal with Alan, whereby he plugs chocolate oranges from Rawlinson's and it seems to be that the, the sort of agreement is that he just has to say chocolate oranges are available from Rawlinson's. He has to somehow say that in, in the show at some point. And then they give him 50 of the shop-soiled chocolate oranges. And this is what he's been giving to people. Except for Jill, who is his favourite. Jill is a woman who works in his company. He actually gave her um, an undamaged chocolate orange, so he actually paid for hers. Ooh. So... More importantly for Alan at the moment, he's struggling financially. He hasn't been given a second series by the BBC, so now he's forced to make financial changes. He's sacked all the staff in his production company, Pear Tree Productions, and he has to trade down his car, his Rover 800, for a smaller model. Rover, by the way, is a British car manufacturer that, as far as I know, they're basically out of business. Maybe there's still like a little workshop. Maybe there's still a a Rover workshop out there producing some of the old models. But um, largely, the company is is out of business now. So, uh, And the people who used to drive Rovers in the UK were sort of patriotic, conservative English people, generally. So um, uh, Alan has has to um, trade down his Rover 800, which is like a large saloon-style car, down to a Rover 200, which is a hatchback. He's refused to buy a Mini Metro. If he'd, if he'd chosen to go with the Mini Metro, he probably would have been able to keep Jill uh, and maybe one or two other members of staff at his production company. But anyway, so he's got to fire people from the production company and trade down his, uh, his car. In the last episode, we heard him go to Pear Tree Productions and sack... Um, sack them all in the most cowardly and pathetic way, except for Jill, the middle-aged divorcee that works for him and who he fancies. So he he lied to Jill about sacking everyone. He told them that they'd just all gone to Long Stanton Spice Museum. And then he took Jill on a romantic Valentine's Day trip to a local owl sanctuary to look at birds of prey. Birds of prey are birds that prey on other birds or birds that prey on animals. It's like carnivorous birds. Um, And then he asked Jill out to dinner at the Travel Tavern, where they have an extremely romantic all-you-can-eat buffet for £6. Not the most romantic Valentine's dinner you can imagine. And it's all-you-can-eat from an eight-inch plate. And Alan is cheating. He's got a scam going on by using a 12-inch plate, which he keeps smuggling uh, into the, the dining room from his bedroom. So, anyway, in this episode, we're going to hear what happens on Alan's date with Jill. Uh, what do you think is going to happen? Will they get on? What's going to go wrong? Because this is Alan. Something always goes wrong. Is Alan going to get involved with Jill? I mean, is he going to go to bed with Jill? Is he going to kind of get into a relationship with her? What is he going to have a fling with her? Um, and if Alan did get into bed with Jill, what kind of lover do you think Alan is? Um, what kind of lover 
do you think Alan is? Okay, and is Alan still going to sack Jill like he promised Lynn he would? Don't forget also that Lynn, for some reason, is very disapproving of Jill. So how's that going to play out? I realised that just before recording this, that I haven't actually described the appearance of the characters in this show. Um, so let me do that for you now briefly. Just tell you what they look like. So Alan has a kind of middle-aged, middle-English kind of look. He wears sensible shoes. He wears like brown or grey slacks. These are trousers. He wears a cardigan or a shirt or possibly a a blue or green blazer with brass buttons. Um, His look has been chosen quite specifically. He's a mix of that kind of the sort of clothing that you got that TV presenters would wear in the back in the 90s, but also the sort of clothing that your average conservative English middle-aged man would wear, the kind of man who reads the Daily Mail and the Daily Express, who votes for Brexit. What kind of person is this? Um, Alan, at the time, was probably something like 50, I guess. So these days he would be in his 70s. Although Alan's age seems to kind of stay the same somehow. Like even now when he's on TV now, 20 years later, he's still kind of meant to be the same age he was back in the 90s. But anyway, so uh, Alan, it, Alan's hair is sort of, it, it, it's a sort of side parting. So it's parted on the side, but it goes quite wide at the sides. So he's got, the, the, there's a parting down one side. And so the hair goes over on that side. But all, all the sides, the hair is quite wide for some reason. Somehow it's exactly the sort of haircut that TV presenters had in the mid-90s. It's a weird kind of um, reference for you because you, you don't really know what these TV presenters from the 90s looked like. All this is, you know, as I go through these Alan Partridge episodes, which for me are sort of like um, something I really want to do, Um, as I'm going through it, every single time, I think every little detail, every little thing that sort of helps to bring context and colour and humour to this character, I'm sure that, like, the vast majority of my listeners just sort of don't get or don't notice or don't have any association with these little reference points to the extent that maybe because you've got almost no context for Alan, because he's such a sort of specific British cultural character. It's possible that you have no context for him and therefore you just won't get it at all. But I mean, you know, I'm not going to let those doubts stop me. I'm still going to do this because I'm on a mission, ladies and gentlemen, to try and help you appreciate things like Alan Partridge. So Lynn, uh, Alan's PA, his personal assistant, Lynn looks like a typical middle-aged conservative English church-going woman. She's very modestly dressed in a long skirt, which could be grey or brown, a plain blouse, a cardigan, overcoat, a sort of a large, unflattering overcoat, which is light brown or grey maybe, or maybe beige or something. Her look is extremely sensible and plain. Her hair is, again, generic middle-aged woman territory, But there's absolutely no glamour and no sort of sexiness to Lynn. She's a Baptist, which is quite a strict form of English Protestant Christian. She's very conservative, extremely meek, modest, and also completely devoted to Alan. We don't know why she's so devoted to him, but she is. Alan, of course, takes her devotion for granted. Everyone should be that devoted to him, probably, according to Alan. 
He is generally quite mean to Lynn, although he is also affectionate in some ways. For example, he plays her a song on his radio show as a dedication, but feels the need to then say it's nothing to do with Valentine's Day. Then there's Jill in this episode, who I think is also 50, like Lynn, but she's far more glamorous and sexy. And when I say sexy, I really, I mean slutty. Slutty? Do you know what a slut is? It's not a nice word. Uh, A slutty for a woman is a woman who's probably too easy to get into bed. I don't know why that's necessarily a bad thing. Luke, are you going to start talking about this? I don't know. Like, um, if a man shags lots of women, then he's kind of virile and all that, you know, like James Bond. Whereas if a woman does it, then she's a slag, a slut, apparently. I don't know. I don't understand the politics of it and all the psychology and all that stuff, but there it is. So, um, uh, really, Jill is is very trashy. Trashy. Like, um, she doesn't look very sophisticated. She's not very classy. She's not very chic. She, uh, her clothing, her style is, is quite sort of trash, quite trashy. She wears a low-cut top, which is quite revealing, revealing her cleavage. Uh, the cleavage is where the boobs come together. Um, so she reveals her cleavage. She wears a short skirt. Her hair is kind of pushed up. She wears lots of makeup. She has tanned, probably fake tanned skin. She smokes fags, fags are cigarettes. She's got loads of uh, lipstick all over. So the lipstick comes off on the cigarettes. You know, she wears high heels. She also makes loads of dirty and flirtatious comments. So those are the main three characters in this episode, I think. They're also side characters like the uh, members of staff at the Travel Tavern and stuff, but that's probably it. So right then, let's carry on. And we're going to listen to Alan and Jill having their romantic dinner at the Travel Tavern, a horrible place for a Valentine's date by anyone's standards, I would say. But here are some things to look out for. So Alan and Jill have their dinner at the Travel Tavern. Jill has changed into a red dress. Alan is wearing his green blazer. Alan and Jill have just finished dinner. Alan buys Jill Jill a rose because one of the waiters comes to the table with a bunch of roses and, you know, would you like to, a rose for the lady? And Alan's kind of um, reluctantly agrees that Jill can have one. It, but he somehow manages to buy her a rose in the least romantic way possible. Uh, Alan is using his 12-inch plate, so he manages to hold on to it. And Jill orders a chocolate mousse, you know, a kind of chocolate dessert. And Alan gets up onto the stage, because there's a stage there with a band playing some light music in the background. Alan gets up onto the stage, he grabs the microphone, and he does something. So, what does Alan do on the stage? And what happens? Jill says, oh, I didn't know you could sing. And what is Alan's response about being in the choir when he was a boy? A choir is a group that sing maybe in church, okay? Probably in a church, a group of people that sing. Maybe they sing hymns, right? Um, So what's Alan's response about being in the choir when he was a boy? Uh, Then Lynn arrives unexpectedly, interrupting their romantic dinner. What does Lynn have to tell Alan? She's got something to tell him. Why was Alan's phone switched off? Why is Lynn wearing a snazzy cardigan? Snazzy is a word that's sort of used to mean, if something is described as snazzy, it normally means it's got a kind of colourful and interesting, exciting design to it. So, I mean, Lynn is wearing a sort of black and purple cardigan, I think, which Alan describes as snazzy. I mean, compared to Lynn's usual style, 
a black and purple cardigan is quite snazzy. So why is Al- why is Lynn wearing a snazzy cardigan? What does Lynn suggest to Jill? What is Alan's response to that? What does Lynn give to Jill? And what does Jill suggest at the end? And basically what happens in the video clip? Right? I think you get the idea. Okay, so let's uh, listen to this clip and try and work out what's going on. I will be breaking it down like normal when we're finished. Here we go. Just give that a quick clean. (laughs) Saves me doing it later. Bonsoir. Would you like to buy a rose for the lady? It's uh, £2 for Norwich Children's Hospital. Mm, I've already done something for them. Did an after dinner with Bill Oddie. Voila. Oh, thank you, Alan. That's really lovely. Keep it, keep it. You can uh, always get me something of equivalent value. Pint of bitter, big marker pen, whatever. Have you uh, all done? Maybe like to order a dessert? I'll have chocolate mousse. Oh, we'll leave that there. Two chocolate mousses on its way. Just going over there for a bit. Uh, this is a romantic tribute to a lovely lady over there with orange hair and a cigarette in her mouth. Why do birds It's just too high. Every time. Every time. I do. That's not working. Well, you get the general idea. Anyway, thank you. That's great, actually. I didn't know you could sing. Yeah, I uh, I used to be in the choir at uh, primary school. Before it all dropped in my uh, my pre-hair days. It's all falling into place now, though, isn't it? <laughs> yep, I've been pubic for 31 years. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was one of the first in my class, actually. Mm. Uh, shift it away. Oh. Here you go. Yeah. Two chocolate mousses. Ah, thank oh. you. I love chocolate. Yeah, so do I. Oh, whispers. Arrows. Ripples. Flakes. Caramel. <laughs> good this isn't it even though we're basically just listing chocolate bars <laughs> oh my god Lynn's here Lynn what are you doing here oh Alan more good news I managed to negotiate a walnut gear knob for your smaller rover then you come all the way out here to tell me about a walnut gear knob yes well I've been ringing you all day but your mobile was switched off Lynn if my mobile switched off it switched off for a reason I was at an owl sanctuary <laughs> I was worried that the ringing may have sounded like a mating call can't have a bird trying to have sex with my phone. <laughs> Why are you wearing that snazzy cardigan? Oh, I just threw it on. <laughs> if you think you can upstage Jill by wearing that, you're very much mistaken. <laughs> but thanks very much for the gear, Nob, and uh, good night. We're in the same area. I wondered if you'd like to take a taxi back with me, you know, for a saving. Hmm? Well, uh... No, uh, Jill will be sleeping with me tonight. <laughs> I don't recall saying that. Oh, come on. Yeah, all right then. <laughs> Have a good night then. Oh well. 
I'll go and get a, another half bottle of champagne. Yeah, go on then. <laughs> Could you give this to Alan? It's fungal foot powder. Now, he's got a condition, so make sure he rubs it in his feet last thing at night and first thing in the morning. Only it just gets a little bit smelly. They've got some goat's cheese out there. Oh. <laughs> They've left it out for a couple of hours so it's had a chance to breathe. <laughs> oh, she remembered. Great. <laughs> yeah. Why don't we take these to your room? <laughs> My room. <laughs> it's over there by the left. Are you... Right, you lick my arm. I'll try and leave with some dignity. Oh. <laughs> Night name, Mr. Pottage. Night. And you're a good lady. Michael. Good night. Good night. Night. Good night. Good night. Got your big place, Alan? Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, I, I imagine that it's hard for you to, to catch everything that's being said here, right? Of course. But that's what we're doing, you know. We're doing this for... For the purposes of learning English. So if you don't get it the first time, this is my job. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm doing this, to explain things. Let's go through that clip again. That was a fairly long one. Um, as I go back through the video to find the right spot. Oh, one thing I have to clear clarify. Someone is bound to comment on this. For some reason, I misremembered the colours of Alan and Lynn's clothes. I said that Alan... This is obviously very important to point out. I said Alan was wearing a green blazer. The grazer, the, the, the blazer is actually brown, okay? So please, you don't need to comment on that now. And also, Lynn's snazzy cardigan. I said it was purple and black, which is far from... I mean, purple and black is way too snazzy for Lynn. Her snazzy cardigan is it has got like a floral design on it. So there's like what look like roses, maybe green uh, leaves. It's got a sort of a floral pattern on it. So this is like... Um, Lynn trying to attract attention. Um, so let's go. Let's go to the beginning of this clip. Okay. Just give that a quick clean. Save me doing it later. He says, uh, "Just giving that a quick clean. Save me doing it later." Um, he's giving the plate a clean. He's got his big twelve-inch plate, and he's got a piece of bread, and he's cleaning the the, the plate with his bread just give that a quick clean save me doing it later this means i won't have to do it later so again it's just repeating the gag that alan's a cheap bastard and he's got this large plate which he's using at the buffet he thinks he's getting away with it bonsoir would you like to buy a rose for the lady it's uh, two pounds for norwich children's hospital would you like to buy a rose for the lady? It's two pounds for Norwich Children's Hospital. So this is a nice little thing. He's selling roses on Valentine's Day and all the money goes to Norwich Children's Hospital. So this is a typical sort of thing that happens in England. People on days like Valentine's Day sell things and the money goes to charity. Norwich Children's Hospital, which is obviously a, a really good cause. And Alan sort of begrudgingly buys uh, a rose he says that he's already done something for Norwich Children Hosp Children's Hospital. He did an after-dinner. So an after-dinner is like one of those corporate speeches that someone might do. And companies often like to employ comedians or maybe TV presenters to do speeches after they have, like, dinners and stuff. Um, so it seems that Alan did an after-dinner for Norwich Children's Hospital with um, a guy called Bill Oddy. It's not really worth me trying to explain Bill Oddy to you, but this is a very specific English reference. Bill Oddy is the sort of TV presenter who kind of lives in Alan's world. You can imagine Bill Oddy 
is the sort of person who is a bit like Alan Partridge. Um, so apparently Alan has already done something for Norwich Children's Hospital this year. He did an after dinner with Bill Oddy. So that's more kind of like a context for Alan's character, but also it shows us that he's um, he's not very generous, you know. I've already done something for them. Did an after dinner with Bill Oddy. <laughs> well, Oh, thank you, Alan. That's really lovely. Keep it, keep it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> don't need to explain that, do I? You can, uh, you always get me something of equivalent value. Pint of bitter, big marker pen. Keep it. You can always get me something of equal value, a pint of bitter or a big marker pen. Which is, I mean, back in 1997, a pint of bitter and a big marker pen, they, they would both have cost about £2. So um, it's quite a, nice, quite a funny response, though, don't you think? Like, if you buy something, like some flowers for your girlfriend or wife, and you go, oh, thank you so much. You can say, it's, it's all right. You can, you know, you can get me something of equal value later on, if you like. Whatever. <laughs> have you uh, all done? Maybe like to order a dessert? Have yous, meaning you, to have you are you are you all done would you like to order a dessert says michael in his geordie accent whatever <laughs> have you uh, all done maybe like to order a dessert i'll have chocolate mousse <laughs> oh we'll leave that there <laughs> so michael attempts to take alan's large plate but he uh, alan sort of like grabs it and goes oh no, no leave that there please <laughs> two chocolate mousses on its way just going over there for a bit this is where alan gets up um, to go over to the stage where the band is playing. Just going over there for a bit. And this is his, <laughs> his failed attempt to serenade Jill um, in the Travel Tavern. So the band is basically just a guy on keyboards and a guy on the guitar. And then Alan steps up and takes the microphone out of the microphone stand. Uh, this is a romantic tribute to a lovely lady over there with orange hair and a cigarette in her mouth. <laughs> uh, this is a romantic tribute to a lovely lady over there with orange hair and a cigarette in her mouth. A lovely lady over there with orange hair and a cigarette in her mouth. <laughs> Why do birds so it's obviously too high and i love the bit where alan is attempting to like uh talk to the band so it's 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 too high it's too high and then he's trying to find the right melody line and it's a complete disaster why do birds it's too high every time every time Why do? That's not working. Well, you get the general idea. Anyway, thank you. You get the general idea. (laughs) Very romantic, Alan. That's great, actually. I didn't know you could sing. Yeah, I uh, I used to be in the choir at uh, primary school. Before it all dropped. I used to be in the choir at primary school before it all dropped. Um, so you know, don't you, that uh, like boys when they are pre-pubic, pre-adolescent, they can sing with very high voices. So you, you can imagine all boy male choirs singing beautiful music with their, with their high voices. So Alan said, I used to be in the choir at, at primary school before it all dropped. So 
<laughs> so puberty, right? This is when a child sort of turns into an adult. Adolescence, I think they call it. But there are certain physical changes that occur during puberty. So for boys, what happens is boys grow pubic hair. That's hair in the sort of uh, pubic regions, hair uh, around the uh, groin area and also under the arms. So boys grow hair. Also, boys' testicles drop, okay? So the te- the balls, the, the gonads drop. I mean, they don't just, they don't fall off or anything. Uh, weird. Um, it just means that they get lower, huh? I mean, pre- when pre-pubic boys, their balls are higher up. They're positioned higher. But when you go through puberty, they sort of drop down a bit more, all right? And accompanying that is also a change in the voice. So before puberty, often boys have slightly more high-pitched voices. And then after puberty, they've got those uh, lower voices. And for some reason, this is associated with the balls dropping, okay? All right. Now, not the sort of thing that you should really be talking about during a romantic Valentine's dinner. But Alan goes there anyway because this is Alan. Primary school. <laughs> yeah, before it all dropped in my, uh, my pre-hair days. It's all falling into place now, though, isn't it? <laughs> yep. So another one of Jill's, like, um, dirty little jokes. So, you know, the, you know, I used to be in a, in a choir in primary school before it all dropped. In my pre-hair days... And she goes, well, it's all fallen into place now, hasn't it? Okay. It's all fallen into place now, though, isn't it? <laughs> yep, I've been pubic for 31 years. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was one of the first in my class, actually. Mm. Uh, shift to do it. Oh, here you go. Two chocolate mousses. Ah, oh, thank oh. you. I love chocolate. Yeah, so do I. Oh, whispers. Arrows. Ripples. Flakes. Caramel. It's good, this, isn't it? Even though we're basically just listing chocolate bars. They are. They're basically just listing chocolate bars. Flake, arrow, what were the others? It doesn't really matter. But this is just them flirting, talking about how much they like chocolate. And it's kind of slightly cringeworthy, flirtatious uh, stuff. Uh, I think at this point, um, Alan suggests that he goes to buy another half bottle of champagne. Not a proper bottle. It's going to be a half bottle. And then I think Jill suggests that they go to the go to finish the chocolate mousse in Alan's room. And Alan's like, oh, my room. Oh, my God, Lynn's here. Oh, yeah, of course, Lynn. So this is when Lynn turns up. Lynn, what are you doing here? Oh, Alan, more good news. I managed to negotiate a walnut gear knob for your smaller rover. So more good news, Alan. I've managed to negotiate or negotiate. Uh, I've managed to negotiate a walnut gear knob for your smaller rover. (laughs) So, more good news. So, she's come all the way out to the travel tavern to tell him this good news that she's managed to negotiate a walnut gear knob. What is a walnut gear knob? So, a gear knob. So, in the car, the gear stick is the thing that you use to change gear, right? It sits there between the, 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 the two front seats, usually, or just, you know, kind of between the two front seats there. And it's the thing you use to change gear, right? And the, the gear stick has a knob on the top. And it's the thing that shows the, the numbers of the gears. It's the thing that you hold on to when you change gear. And you can change the, the, the gear knob. And some people do. They like to change it for, you know, different looking things. And so Lynn has um, negotiated a walnut gear knob. Walnut is a kind of a hard wood. 
And um, so a walnut gear knob is kind of like a nice little optional extra in a car. Um, and it looks nice. Uh, but it's not a big thing at all. But she's come all the way out to tell him the good news that she's negotiated a walnut gear knob for his smaller Rover. It's not a Rover 200. No, it's a smaller Rover. More good news. I managed to negotiate a walnut gear knob for your smaller Rover. And you come all the way out here to tell me about a walnut gear knob? Yes, well, I've been ringing you all day, but your mobile was switched off. I've been ringing you all day, but your mobile was switched off. And he says something like, if it's switched off, it's switched off for a reason. I was at an owl sanctuary. <laughs> um, I didn't wait. Something like, I didn't want the ringing. I didn't want the owls to think that the ringing of my phone was some kind of mating call. A mating call is, I suppose, what a, a bird would make a, a mating call in order to tell other birds that uh, they want to have sex, right? Mating means having sex, but with animals. I mean, not like animals with each other, not, you know what I mean. (sighs) So um, he didn't want the sound of the phone to sound like a mating call. He said, I can't have a bird trying to have sex with my phone. If my mobile switched off, it switched off for a reason. I was at an owl sanctuary. I was worried that the ringing may have sounded like a mating call. Mm-hmm. I can't have a bird trying to have sex with my phone. Mm-hmm. What, why are you wearing that snazzy cardigan? Oh, I just threw it on. <laughs> why are you wearing that snazzy cardigan? She says, oh, I just threw it on. So she kind of downplays it. I just threw it on. If you say that, I just threw it on, then it just means that you didn't really think about putting it on. There was just some, maybe it was lying there in your bedroom or on the back of a chair or something and you just grabbed it and put it on. I threw it on. I just threw it on. So this is what we say when someone makes a compliment about the clothing we're wearing. And we we want to kind of say, oh, well, you know, I, I didn't really put a lot of thought into it. I just threw it on. It's very typical if some if for some reason in English, when someone gives you a compliment, you kind of downplay the compliment. Oh, that's a lovely jacket. Oh yeah, I just threw it on earlier. It's just a piece of stuff I found it lying around on the floor, I just threw it on, you know. Um, I mean, we wouldn't say I found it lying around on the floor, but we would say, oh, I just threw it on. So this is what Lynn says about her cardigan. What, why are you wearing that snazzy cardigan? Oh, I just threw it on. <laughs> if you think you can upstage Jill by wearing that, you're very much mistaken. If you think you can upstage Jill by wearing that, if you upstage someone, it means you kind of attract more attention than that person. It comes from the theatre, so if someone upstages you in the theatre, it just basically means that they get all the attention and they steal all the attention from you. So she said, uh, Alan's saying, if you think you can upstage Jill by wearing that, then you're sorely mistaken, meaning you're completely wrong. Just threw it on. <laughs> if you think you can upstage Jill by wearing that, you're very much mistaken. You're very much mistaken, OK, you, yeah. <laughs> Thanks very much for the gear, Nob, and uh, good night. We're in the same area. I wondered if you'd like to take a taxi back with me, you know, for the saving. We're in the same area. I wonder if you'd like to take a taxi back, you know, and uh, make a saving. So Lynn here is kind of pushing to see if Jill wants to go back with her in a taxi to make a saving. But is this Jill being, uh, is this Lynn being uh, passive aggressive? And it seems that she's sort of trying to encourage Jill to come home so that... She doesn't end up staying with Alan. Is Jill, is, sorry, is Lynn being protective or jealous? What's going on here? We're in the same area. I wondered if you'd like to take a taxi back with me, you know, for the saving. 
Well, no, uh, Jill will be sleeping with me tonight. <laughs> of the way Alan just makes this announcement. No, Jill will be sleeping with me tonight. They haven't agreed it. She hadn't agreed it at all. Um, she's and she says, "I don't remember agreeing that." And then he he goes, "Oh, go on." And then she agrees to it because it's Jill. I don't recall saying that. I don't recall another way of saying remember. I don't recall saying that. Oh, come on. Yeah, all right then. <laughs> Have a good night then. I will. I'm going to get a, another half bottle of champagne. Yeah, go on then. <laughs> Could you give this to Alan? It's fungal foot powder. Okay, so this is Alan's gone to get another half bottle of champagne. Lynn returns with a tube of fungal foot powder, okay? Now, if you get this condition, which a lot of people get, which is called athlete's foot in England, in English anyway, athlete's foot, it's basically a fungal infection of your toes. And it happens when, for example, your toes get a bit wet, they don't dry out properly, maybe your toes are a bit dirty. Uh, They call it athlete's foot because typically athletes or sports people will sweat and their feet get warm and um, they end up with a fungal infection. It's very common. I mean, some of you may have had it. I mean, we've all had it right at one point. Most of us have. Athlete's foot. And what you do to deal with athlete's foot is you use cream on the affected area or you put some talcum powder, uh, fungal foot powder, on the athlete's foot. And that's how you get rid of it. So Lynn comes in to tell, because... um, she, Jill's going to be sleeping with Alan tonight. Lynn comes back and says, oh, could you give this to Alan? It's fungal foot powder. And then she gives uh, Jill instructions on how it should be uh, applied. And um, this is a huge turnoff for uh, for Jill. And maybe Lynn is doing this on purpose by highlighting that Alan's got athlete's foot and that it smells and that he needs to put this powder on. I mean, it should be a huge, huge turnoff. It's not the sort of thing that you want to know before you potentially go to bed with someone. You don't want to hear this. Now, he's got a condition, so make sure he rubs it in his feet last thing at night and first thing in the morning. Only it- make sure he rubs it in his into his feet last thing at night and first thing in the morning. It just gets a little bit smelly. <laughs> <sighs> I've got some- so this, this is leaving a not a very nice image in Jill's head, which is that he's got smelly, horrible feet. And then Alan turns up and says, oh, they've got some goat's cheese out there. They've been leaving it out to breathe. It's really smelly. So, you know, what this is supposed to mean is that in Jill's head, she's associating, like, Alan's smelly feet with the smell of goat's cheese. And it's, you know, it's supposed to be a complete turn-off. Only it just gets a little... I mean, this is... uh, Why is this funny? I don't know. But it's just awkward. That's the main thing. It's awkward and it's just you know, another example of the evening going wrong. Now, if this was a normal person, none of this norm, none of this sort of stuff would happen. A normal person would have taken Jill out to a normal restaurant and had a normal evening with them, maybe gone to bed with her, probably because, I mean, it's Jill. She's probably up for it. But none of this other stuff would happen. So uh, the PA wouldn't arrive giving Jill this fungal foot powder. Watch out, he's got very smelly feet. You know, it, it's it's meant to just be a bit of a disaster and it's supposed to be a bit awkward. He might as well consider this to be some sort of tragedy rather than a comedy. Because for all I know, you don't find any of this funny. And that doesn't matter. Who cares? The main thing is that you're learning some English from it. Okay? Fungal foot powder. Athlete's foot. These are the sorts of 
bits of English that you can learn from this. But let's see what happens. So um, then Alan comes back talking about the cheese. A little bit smelly. I've got some goat's cheese out there. Oh. I've left it out for a couple of hours, so it's had a chance to breathe. <laughs> oh, she remembered. Great. <laughs> yeah. Why don't we take these to your room? <laughs> My room. <laughs> it's over there by the left. Why don't we take these uh, to your room? Oh, my room. Yeah, it's, it's over there by the lift. <laughs> so they, they get up rather awkwardly. Now, this is an awkward moment because he, Alan and Jill, Alan accompanies Jill to his room and all of the staff at the Travel Tavern all are standing there in reception and they're all saying goodbye to him. And it's a kind of pretty awkward moment because they know what's going on. And Alan's got his 12-inch plate as well. And I think it's uh, Susan who says, got your big plate, Alan? And Alan's like, yes. Right, you lick my arm. I'll try and leave with some dignity. <laughs> I think the idea is that Jill's a little bit drunk as well. <laughs> and Alan's picking up his huge plate. Night, night, Mr. Potted. And your good lady. Uncle. Good night. Good night. Night. Good night. Good night. Got your big plate, Alan? Yes. <laughs> Okay, this is where we now have to um, look at some more things to to watch out for, okay? So, we're now in Alan's room, and so here are some things to watch out for. So, Alan emerges from the bathroom wearing a bathrobe. Jill is in the bed wearing a nightie. A nightie is the sort of thing that uh, a woman wears in bed, you know, often it's made of silk or something like that kind of sexy nighty. So Alan comes out of the bathroom wearing a bathrobe. Jill is in bed in a nighty. What does Alan suggest to Jill about the bathroom? He immediately makes a suggestion about the bathroom. What is it? What does Alan think about living in a travel tavern? Does he like it? Alan puts some money, some change, some coins on the bedside table before he gets into bed. What does Jill say? And what is Alan's awkward response? Alan wants to turn off the light before they start to kind of uh, get intimate. Um, he wants to turn off the light. Jill suggests that they just dim the light. Dim, you know, when you can turn down the light slowly. Some lights, most lights, you just turn them on and off. Some lights, you can dim them. So Jill suggests that he just dim the light. And Alan slowly dims the light, slowly, slowly, until it's completely dark. And he does this by saying, bit more, bit more bit more, bit more, until it's completely dark. And the next bit is is perfect because it's just audio. So as you're watching, you can just see a dark room, but you're listening to Alan talking to Jill in bed. But that'll be the section afterwards. So first of all, what does Alan suggest to Jill about the bathroom? What does Alan think about living in a travel tavern? Alan puts some money on the bedside table. What does Jill say? And uh, that is it. So let's carry on. Here we go. I'll explain and break it all down when we're done. Okay. <laughs> oh. uh, I wouldn't go in there for a bit. Leave it about 15. <laughs> Leave it about 15 minutes. Oh, I must say I'm uh, tremendously excited by all this. <laughs> My sister's got this bed linen. Oh, yeah. Does she live in a travel tavern? <laughs> no, she'd like to. It's nice, isn't it? 
No, it's a bloody nightmare. Is that for me, Alan? That? Oh, God, no. No, I always put my money there, Amy. No, it's, 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 if it was, you know, you could, you could add a zero to that. Seven pounds six, isn't it? Seventy quid? Well, no, double it. Oh, it's still cheap. I'm not haggling. I mean, I'm... <laughs> I'm trying to pay you a compliment. Unless I've grossly misread the situation. It was my understanding in the lift that uh, no money would change hands. I'm all yours. <laughs> uh, do you mind if I turn the light out? Well, can't you just dim it a bit? Yeah, OK. A uh, bit more. Mm. <laughs> How's that? Yeah, that'll do. OK, I'm going to stop there. So, Alan emerges from the bathroom in a bathrobe. Now, you should know that Alan's, one of Alan's heroes is the actor Roger Moore, who obviously was James Bond in the 70s and 80s. And you can imagine, can't you, uh, Roger Moore emerging from a bathroom with a bathrobe on and wrapping the towel around his neck and then walking into the bedroom to see a girl in bed in a nighty ready to kind of make love to him and you'd imagine he'd say something funny you know like some roger moore thing you would say you know just trying to keep the keep britain's end up or something like that and um but in alan's world it's like nothing like that although that's what he'd like to imagine so he comes out of the uh bathroom in the bathrobe he's trying to wrap a towel around his neck but it falls off because the towel is too small. And then he says to Jill, he, he says something about the bathroom. So what is it? Here we go. Let me go back to the relevant spot. Huh. Uh, I wouldn't go in there for a bit. Leave it about 15. <laughs> Leave it about 15 minutes. I wouldn't go in there for a bit. Leave it about 15 minutes. <laughs> so, <laughs> again, like, the opposite of what you're supposed to say and do. So what's going on there, listeners? Why is he saying, oh, I wouldn't go in there for a bit, leave it about 15 minutes. He's obviously just done a big poo in the toilet and it smells. And so he's saying, oh, I wouldn't go in there for a while, leave it about 15 minutes and, until the smell's gone away. Um, uh, Alan, no. No, you're not supposed to say that, but it doesn't seem to make a difference because Jill is Jill and she's still up for it. Um, and then he goes, oh, it's, it's tremendously exciting, all this which is, again, not something that you would normally say before having sex. It's something you would say, I don't know, before embarking on some kind of work project with a new member of staff or you've, you've got some new professional project going on and you might say, oh, it's, you know, it's tremendously exciting, isn't it, all of this, you know, uh, making this new content or something. Certainly not something you should say before you have sex. Well, I must say I'm uh, tremendously excited by all this. <laughs> My sister's got this bed linen. Oh, yeah. My sister has got this bed linen. Bed linen, this is the word we use to describe all the covers for the stuff on your bed. So the pillow cases, the fitted sheet, uh, the duvet cover, duvet cover, uh, pillow covers, pillow case, pillow cases, pillow cases, we call them. Pillow cases, duvet covers, fitted sheets. This is uh, linen, bed linen. So uh, Jill says, oh, my, my, is it my sister? My sister's got this bed, bed linen. My sister's got this bed linen. Oh, yeah. Does she live in a travel tavern? <laughs> no, she'd like to. It's nice, isn't it? No, it's a bloody nightmare. My sister's got this bed linen. Oh, does she live in a travel tavern? No, but she'd like to. It's nice, isn't it? No, it's a bloody nightmare. 
that for me, Alan. So Alan puts the coins on the side of on the bedside table, and Lynn's at uh, Lynn, Jill, and Jill says, "Is that for me, Alan?" Now, is this a um, is this again a sort of a dirty flirtatious thing where she's sort of like um, talking about like suggesting the idea that she's his prostitute or something, which is kind of you know kind of fairly fairly sort of sexy talk. But Alan gets it completely wrong and takes it on face value and he starts going, oh, no, 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 certainly not. Um, I mean, he should have just gone with the kind of flirtatious tone of what she's saying. But instead, Alan starts to um, try and defend himself. That's in it. No, it's a bloody nightmare. <laughs> Is that for me, Alan? That? Oh, God, no. No, I always put my money there, Amy. No, it's, 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 if it was, you know, you could, you could add a zero to that. <laughs> He's trying to compliment her and failing so badly. So, no, no, this is not for you. I always put my money here. And anyway, if it was, meaning if it was for you, you could add a zero to that. Oh, dear. Not a good uh, not a good direction to go in, Alan. Um, and it turns out that he's put about seven pounds on the table. So um, he seems to be suggesting that she'd, she'd be worth about 70 pounds, which is pretty cheap. Seven pounds six, isn't it? 70 quid? Well, no, double it. Oh, it's still cheap. £140 is still cheap, apparently. But, I mean, it, it, it is. I'm 140 quid. It's not very much, really. I'm not haggling. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to pay you a compliment. I'm not haggling. So he keeps raising his price, but uh, it's like, I'm not haggling. Haggling means negotiating price. So uh, it, it starts to sound like he's like they're negotiating or something. Um, and... Oh, sex, no. 70 quid? Well, no, double it. Oh, it's still cheap. I'm not haggling. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to pay you a compliment. And um, Alan continues to dig a huge hole for himself by clarifying and saying, look, as you know, I understood that no money would change hands. Oh, dear. I, I mean, he's like suddenly realised, oh, my God, maybe she expected me to pay her. He's kind of maybe he's thinking he's misread the situation, and but he says it in kind of formal terms. It was my understanding in the lift that no money would change hands. Um, oh, Alan, what are you doing? Oh dear, so so awkward. Unless I've grossly misread the situation, it was my understanding in the lift that uh, no money would change hands. I'm all yours. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, Jill is impervious to Alan's awfulness. And she's just up for it, so she says, "I'm all yours." And at this point, Alan suggests turning down the, turning off the light. And she goes, "Can you not just dim it a bit?" And he goes, "Okay, a bit more, bit more, bit more, until the room is uh, pitch black." And then I need to move on to my next series of questions, and we're nearly at the end here. So, um, Alan in bed with Jill. So, what do you think of Alan's pillow talk? Pillow talk is the sort of conversations. Or the, the, the sort of talking that you do when you're in bed with someone. We call it pillow talk. And pillow talk should be sort of quite intimate, quite sort of uh, flirtatious, quite romantic, quite sort of um, sex, sexual and, and stuff like that. You know, that's what pillow talk is supposed to be. What do you think of Alan's pillow talk? Alan, the, uh, the, the, the radio um, talk show host. What do you think of his pillow talk? What does he actually say? while they are having it off. Okay? Having it off meaning having sex in some form. What do you imagine that they're doing? 
So Alan is doing something and he's talk he's describing he's talking about it while he's doing it. What do you think they're actually doing? And uh what does Alan say about condoms? Um uh, condoms, other words for condoms are um contraception, uh prophylap prophylap uh, how do you say prophylactics? It's the formal word for condom, and I can't even pronounce it because I never ever use it. I mean the word. <laughs> Okay, the word is a prophylactic, prophylactic, which is something that prevents the spread of disease or infection. So again, basically, it's like um, a condom, essentially. So he's he's saying, and sheaths is another word for it, a sheath. A she- again, a sort of formal word that might be used by doctors or nurses or maybe pharmacists or something, but most people don't call them sheaths. Condom right? Uh, the slang for a condom is a johnny, a rubber johnny, or a condom. But you certainly wouldn't say, uh, Jill, I uh, I don't have any prophylactics. Uh, I don't have any uh, uh, sheaths, uh, rubber johnnies, condoms. Um, okay, so let's see. Uh, what does Alan say about condoms? Why does Alan want to keep talking? Um, <laughs> what does Jill do that upsets Alan? And who knocks at the door then, and then what happens? Okay, right, so let's carry on. A bit more. <laughs> and remember that the room is in pitch... The room is in total darkness at this point, okay? Right. Let battle commence. <laughs> Do you... Uh... Do you like me doing that? <laughs> shall I shall I do it more quickly or shall I maintain the same speed? That's fine. Right. Shall I uh, shall I move on to the other one? <laughs> oh. oh, that's lovely. That, that's first class. <laughs> that that is superb. Oh, there you go. It's all happening. Um, Jill, I'm afraid I have no sheaths. No what? Sheaths, uh, uh, prophylactics, you know, rubber johnnies. Actually, uh, being your age and everything, there's probably no need for them. (laughs) I'm I'm talking about the menopause. Oh, oh, Jill, you know your onions. Oh, do you you mind if I talk? Uh, It helps me uh, keep the wolf from the door, so to speak. Jill, what do you think about the pedestrianisation of Norwich City? Uh, I'll be honest, I'm dead against it. I mean, uh, people forget that traders need access to Dixons. Uh, yes. they, they do say it'll help people in wheelchairs. Okay, so what you can't see is that uh, um, Jill has got the chocolate mousse in her hand and she's got chocolate all around her mouth and on her fingers and Alan's got chocolate on his face and chocolate on his uh, bathrobe. It's not, I've got chocolate mousse over you. You've got it on the bed sheets, you've got it... Dressing gown, we've got it on the balance. On the what? The skirt thing round the side of the bed. I thought it'd be 
erotic. Oh, Jill, mousse from a bowl is very nice, but to put it on a person is demented. Come on, it's only a bit of chocolate. It may be chocolate to you, Jill, but to an unwitting member of staff, this could look like some sort of dirty protest against the standard of service in the hotel, which I happen to think is very good. I mean, it's not five-star, but it's certainly competitive. Oh, God. Yes? Is everything all right, Mr Partridge? You heard a bit of commotion. No, no, it's fine. Oh, right. Um, do you know you've got chocolate in your face? Yeah, I've just been eating some mousse. Right, well, you've, you've, you've missed a bit. Deal with it later. Right. Hey, it reminds me of this time, you know, we'll, we'll camouflage ourselves up because we're doing jungle exercises, yes, right? Can we talk about in the morning? But, uh, well, no, I won't run in the morning because I'm dealing late right. snow, right? So I don't come on until about two o'clock. So, you know... Well, well, you know, when the boat comes in. Oh. <laughs> uh, no, uh, I'll off. Hi. OK. <laughs> understood, sir. Stand down, Atties. You're not in the army anymore. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I don't know what you guys think of this. Here we go. Let's finish this off, folks. Okay. So what do you think of Alan's pillow talk? Of course, it's bloody awful. His pillow talk is, is horrendous. Let's go back and check out this stuff and break it down. Okay. And we're nearly at the end here. Um, what a nightmare Alan is. So what is it that he's saying while they're in bed with each other? What's the stuff he's talking about? And what is it that they're actually doing in bed together? Okay. How's that? Yeah, that'll do. Nice. Let battle commence. <laughs> mm, I'm not even going to comment on that one. Do you, uh, do you like me doing that? Shall I, shall I do it more quickly or shall I maintain the same speed? Do you like me doing that? Uh, shall I do it more quickly or shall I maintain the same speed? Oh, such sexy talk, Alan. <laughs> so first of all, he's doing something. So what, what is it that we're supposed to think he's doing? Do you like me doing that? Would you like me to do... Um, would, you like, would you like me to maintain the same speed or would you like me to... What is it, do it quicker? Doing that? <laughs> shall, I, shall I do it more quickly or shall I maintain the same speed? Shall I do it more quickly or shall I maintain the same speed? Again, that kind of weird register that he uses. Shall I maintain the same speed? Now, you shouldn't talk like that when you're in bed having sex with someone. But Alan, you know, being Alan, continues to, to do it because it's just, he can't not do that. So uh, what is it that they're supposed to be doing there? Um, would you like me to uh, do it faster or shall I maintain the same speed? Now, okay, this is where it's going to get a little awkward because I have to talk about what they could be doing it's clever comedy because it's all suggested you don't actually see anything you don't know specifically what they're doing but you kind of read between the lines so what we're supposed to think is that maybe he is uh, giving her pleasure um with his hand but where well where does a man normally give a woman pleasure with his hand um i think we all know um so we imagine that that's what's going on um, so he says, uh, you know, do you like that? Uh, would you like me to do it faster or shall I maintain the same speed? And I think she says, that's fine. That's fine. And then he says this. Right. Shall I, uh, shall I move on to the other one? Shall I move on to the other one? So we thought that maybe um, 
Oh, what? How am I going to say it? Shall I just say it? I'll say it. I mean, who cares? We thought that maybe he was uh, giving her pleasure between her legs with his hand, uh, which, I mean, it's a horrible phrase, but he, he, he's probably fingering her. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, this is why it's good comedy, because they don't actually use any of this language. None of it is explicitly stated. Uh, it's all you just read between the lines. But here on Luke's English podcast, I have to kind of describe things as they are. So he was probably using his fingers to give her pleasure between her legs is what we were thinking. But then he says, um, that's fine. Yeah. Then he says, right. Shall I, uh, shall I move on to the other one? Shall I move on to the other one? So, oh, it turns out that he's probably been rubbing one of her breasts, which is, you know, not, I mean, just, uh, what are you doing, Alan? It's not what you'd normally do. That doesn't really give a woman pleasure. I mean, you can, I suppose, while uh, you are lovemaking, sometimes you might uh, put your hands on a woman's breasts or that there there are erogenous zones, um, particularly on the nipples. This is awkward, isn't it? It's like listening to Alan Partridge talking about sex. Uh, but it's not just the only thing you do. You don't just get into bed with someone and just rub one of their breasts and then move on to the other one. Like, Alan, what are you doing? (laughs) Oh, that's lovely. That's first class. So she's doing something to him now, and he's going, oh, that is lovely. That's first class. Again, like an expression that's what would you describe as first class? Like you'd describe the service in a hotel as first class. You describe like, yeah, the quality of a, of a, um, of a buffet were to be first class, but you wouldn't describe, you wouldn't use the word first class in bed. That, that is superb. Oh, there you go. It's all happening. And again, you wouldn't say that, but that suggests that maybe he's, starting to get an erection, which is funny because it means that bef- all the stuff happening before, when he's got, oh, that's first class, like he's not even erect at that point. And then he's got, oh, it's all happening, it's meaning he's starting to get an erection. You didn't expect this level of awkward sexual um, uh, talking, did you? I don't know. Anyway, it's supposed to be funny rather than really uncomfortable. Yeah, anyway. Um- Jill, I'm afraid I have no sheaths. No what? Sheaths, uh, uh, prophylactics, you know, rubber johnnies. He searches for the right word. I'm afraid I have no sheaths, you know, uh, prophylactics, uh, rubber johnnies. Um, And then, oh God, then he says, well, actually, considering your age, they're probably not really necessary. Suggesting that potentially she's menopausal or post-menopausal, which means that She's too old to get pregnant. The menopause. So we've had puberty, which is something that happens to boys and girls, uh, usually when they're kind of in their early teens and they they start to grow hair and become sexually, what, sexually fertile? Anyway, the menopause is something that women go through at a certain age and it's basically when uh, their um, reproductive system um, stops stops working so after the menopause women can't have children anymore so alan is saying well actually considering your age it's probably not necessary oh god alan what are you doing i mean this is basically the obviously this is the opposite of what you're supposed to do 
I mean, just pick a situation and find the direct opposite of what you're supposed to do in that situation. And, you know, Alan's probably going to do that. Actually, uh, being your age and everything, there's probably no need for them. (laughs) I'm I'm talking about the menopause. Oh, oh, Jill, you know your onions. Oh, do you you mind if I talk? Uh, It helps me uh, keep the wolf from the door, so to speak. So to keep the wolf from the door is a phrase which just means to kind of, um, to maintain, um, to, 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 to help you carry on and to avoid certain things happening. So normally we talk about sort of like a, um, hunger. Like you might be very, very hungry and you eat a little bit of food just to keep the wolf from the door, meaning just to kind of survive until the next time, uh, to, to maintain at a certain level. Like, you know, I, I make enough money just to keep the wolf from the door. So I keep, I make enough money to, to, to survive on the lowest amount. Um, okay, so he's saying, I hope you don't mind me talking. It's just it helps me keep the wolf from the door. So in this case, it helps, it helps to um, prevent him from having an orgasm. It helps him to last longer if he talks. But of course, what is Alan going to talk about? He's going to talk about mundane Alan Partridge things like the pedestrianisation of Norwich City Centre, which is something that he is um, quite obsessed by. He talks about it quite a lot in the other episodes. So pedestrianisation, this is something that happens in a lot of English market towns and things. That's when basically the centre of a town or the centre of a city um, is converted so that it's so there are no cars allowed and so it's just pedestrianized it's just full of areas for pedestrians to walk around in and cars are restricted so pedestrianization so the pedestrianization of Norwich city center is something that Alan cares a lot about and so this is the s- subject that he chooses to talk about while he's in bed with Jill Jill do you mind if I talk it just helps me keep the wolf from the door so to speak uh, what do you think of the pedestrianisation of Norwich City Centre? Oh, dear. Does it help me uh, keep the wolf from the door, so to speak? <laughs> Jill, what, what do you think about the pedestrianisation of Norwich City Centre? Uh, I'll be honest, I'm dead against it. I mean, people forget that traders need access to Dixon's. <laughs> So you can hear from his voice, obviously, that something's happening, you know, uh, whatever it is she's doing is is working on him. So, uh, but it's just funny the way he's talking about this very mundane and boring subject, but it's sort of like um, being interrupted by um, the the sex. So what do you think of the pedestrianisation of Norwich City Centre? Uh, personally, I'm dead against it. People forget that traders need access to Dixon's. Uh, Dixon's is a, uh, a shop a well-known shop that sells things like electrical products. Traders would be, I guess, people who sell stuff. So people forget that traders need access to Dixon's, meaning um, people forget that like these shops need um, vans and trucks to, to uh, deliver goods to them. I mean, it's not great pillow talk, but people forget that traders need access to Dixon's. And then he says, um, a lot of people believe, what is it? Something about wheelchairs. They do say it will help people in wheelchairs, but because of what's going on, Alan says people, they do say it will help people in wheelchairs. I'll be honest, I'm dead against it. I mean, <laughs> people forget that traders need access to Dixon's. <laughs> um, yes. The, 
They, they do say it'll help people in wheelchairs. I don't know, I've got an idea. Hang on, I've got an idea. So this is where Jill gets the idea to uh, to pour some chocolate mousse on Alan. But Alan completely overreacts. Jill, what are you doing? For God's sake, Jill, what are you doing? Jill, God's sake. I just thought I'd pour chocolate mousse over you. You've got it on the bed sheets. You've got it on the dressing gown. You've got it on the balance. You got it on the bed sheets. You got it on the dressing gown. You got it on the valance. This is again uh, a, a specific word that Alan knows that most normal people don't know. You got it all over the bed sheets. You got it all over the, the dressing gown. You got it all over the valance. And she goes, "The what?" And he goes, "The skirt thing that runs round the edge of the bed." So Alan uses the specific word for you know all hotels. The bed has like a little skirt that goes round the edge. It goes around the side of the bed. That's called the valance, apparently, and Alan insists on using the specifically right word for it, which is, again, a weird uh, character trait. You've got it all over the bed sheets. You've got it all over the dressing gown. You've got it all over the valance. The what? The skirt thing that runs around the edge of the bed. On the bed sheets, you've got it on the dressing gown. You've got it on the valance. On the what? The skirt thing around the side of the bed. I thought it'd be erotic. Oh, Jill... Moose from a bowl is very nice, but to put it on a person is demented. To put it on a person is demented. If you are demented, it basically, you know, dementia basically means, you know, mad, crazy thing to do. It's not a particularly uh, uh, politically correct word, but if you are demented, it means that you're crazy, essentially. Okay, Uh, moose from a bowl is lovely, but to put it on a person is demented. Oh, Jill, moose from a bowl is very nice, but to put it on a person is demented. Come on, it's only a bit of chocolate. It may be chocolate to you, Jill, but to an unwitting member of staff, this could look like some sort of dirty protest against the (laughs) standard of service in the hotel, which... It may just be chocolate to you, but to an unwitting member of staff, an unwitting member of staff is a, would be a member of staff who doesn't know what's going on. If you're unwitting, it means you don't know what's going on. An unwitting passerby, an unwitting pedestrian, an unwitting member of staff. A member of staff who's got no idea what's going on. So to an unwitting member of staff, this might look like a dirty protest against the standard of service in the hotel. A dirty protest... Oh, dear. Well, a dirty protest is something that, like, prisoners might do. It basically means doing a poo and then spreading the poo around as a protest. That's a dirty protest. So, um, it might just be chocolate to you, Jill, but to an unwitting member of staff, this might look like a dirty protest against the uh, standard of service in the hotel, which I actually think is very good. Okay, it's, it's all right, it's not five-star, but it's certainly competitive, he says, in the way that you would speak if you were doing a review on TripAdvisor or something. But this is just kind of how Alan speaks in normal conversation. Uh, So he compares it to being like a dirty protest against the standard of cleanliness in the hotel. Uh, I mean, you know, where is Alan's head? I don't know. Which I happen to think is very good. I mean, it's not five-star, but it's certainly competitive. Oh, God. So at this point, uh, there's a knock at the door. Alan goes, oh, God. And he goes to the door. And it turns out to be Michael, the Geordie uh, caretaker working in the hotel. And Alan and Michael says, well, uh, is everything all right, Mr. Partridge? I heard a bit of commotion. 
commotion would be like uh, fuss. Um, what was the word? Uh, brouhaha. Um, noise. Um, fuss. I heard a bit of a commotion. You might hear a commotion in the street, like people shouting, maybe struggling. So, is everything okay, Mr. Partridge? I heard a bit of commotion. Yes? Is everything all right, Mr. Partridge? I heard a bit of commotion. Oh, no, it's fine. Oh, right. Um... So, Alan, at this point, is he's got chocolate mousse all round his mouth, all over his face. He's got chocolate mousse... Um, on his chest and on his neck and he's wearing a um, dressing gown the bathrobe and that's also covered in chocolate mousse as well and he's just standing there so Michael and now is going to say oh but, uh, you know you've got some mousse on your face do you know you've got chocolate in your face yeah I've just been eating some mousse <laughs> so all right yeah I've just been eating some mousse like it's just normal but he's got mousse all over him so um do you know you've got some chocolate on your face yeah I've just been eating some mousse like, uh, why? Well, you've you've missed a bit, meaning that you know there's still some mousse all over your face. Well, you've you've missed a bit. Deal with it later. Right. Hey, it reminds me of this time. You know, we'll we'll camouflage ourselves up because we're doing jungle exercises, right? That reminds me of this time that we camoufl- camouflaged ourselves up because we were doing jungle exercises. So this is Michael, who is an ex-soldier, and he often talks to Alan about stuff that he used to do in the army. Um, And I suppose Alan is normally quite interested in that sort of thing. But in this particular moment, Alan is, you know, he's got other stuff to deal with. So he's like, can we we deal with this in the morning? So it reminds me of um, when we had to camouflage ourselves up. Camouflage is stuff that you would put on in order to help you hide, to make you blend into the background. So soldiers might camouflage their face. So you put like, um, what is it? You put shoe polish or something. That stuff on your face, you camouflage your face. We camouflaged ourselves up like, because we were doing jungle exercises, and Alan's like, hey, you know, can we talk about this in the morning? Hey, it reminds me of this time, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll camouflage ourselves up because we're doing jungle exercises, yes, right? Can we talk about believe, this in the morning? But, uh, well... No, I won't be on in the morning because I'm doing late snow, right? So I don't come on until about two o'clock. Uh, I won't be on in the morning because I'm doing late. I'm doing late. Uh, horrible Geordie accent, Luke. I, well, I'm doing late. Does he, how does he say late? Uh, well, no, I won't be on in the morning because I'm doing late snow. Doing late. Uh, I won't be on in the morning because I'm doing late. Right? <laughs> Sometimes when I'm doing an accent, right? It starts off as one accent and it slips into another one. So what I'm, what sometimes happens to me is I'll do Geordie or I'll do Irish and it'll become Jamaican for no reason. So I will, I'm, I'm not on, on in the morning because I'm doing late and uh, so you, you, uh, what would it be? Like I'm, I'm not on in the morning so I'm doing late so you'll have to talk to me tomorrow I'm on. It's like you, you start, start talking like a Geordie and then eventually you, you end up talking like a Jamaican man. Anyway, that's just what happens to me sometimes. So I won't be on in the morning because I'm doing late, basically. So he's not going to be there. And Alan's like, well, all right, well, when when the boat comes in, when the boat comes in, which I suppose is some sort of reference to the Northeast, maybe some old TV show or something. But when the boat comes in, meaning like, you know, later. Can we talk about this in the morning? uh, Well, no, I won't be on in the morning because I'm doing late snow, right? So I don't come on till about two o'clock. So, you know. Well, well, you know, when the boat comes in. Oh. 
Message understood, sir. Message understood, sir, he says, doing a salute. And Alan's like, you're not in the army anymore. Stand down, Atties. You're not in the army anymore. <laughs> okay, so Alan shuts the door, turns round, looking kind of dejected. Uh, he's having a bad time. And then we cut to um, Alan back in the studio doing his radio show again. So this is the last uh, scene in the episode. So Alan is back in the studio for his morning radio show now as Jill is driving home in a taxi. Alan uh, does a feature on his show, which is called Alan's Love Bud. A bud is like a, a flower before it opens. So Alan's Love Bud which is, um, I think Alan's Love Bud is probably about romantic stories. I suppose listeners write in with their stories and Alan sort of reads out these romantic stories. So in this um, um, Alan's Love Bud, um, he tells another story, but it's obviously the story of him and Jill. So Alan tells the story on his radio show. What is the conclusion of the story? And uh, what will Alan be doing in three minutes' time? Okay, so what is the conclusion of Alan's story in his episode of Alan's Love Bud? And what will he be doing in three minutes' time? Here we go. Across the ooze to the Waveney, this is Radio Norwich. And now it's time for Alan's Love Bud. This is the story of a woman, 50, and a chap in his early 40s. This woman enraptured this man, made him feel 16 again. He thought, I'm going to wear a T-shirt with Crowded House written on the front of it. He thought, yes, I will buy that copy of Punch magazine. But then she committed a gross act upon his person, which was tantamount to vandalism. And he realised that not only must they part company, but that he must also sack her from her job as his receptionist that earlier but uh, part of the problem was that she uh, did work for him and he had to sack her anyway oh. anyway he thanks her for that stolen afternoon but you know even that it was stolen uh, it's not your property love you've got to give it back so just to re-emphasize one more time her contract has been terminated this is hot chocolate it started with a kiss it started with a kiss Three minutes' time, I'll be talking to Norfolk's youngest butcher. <laughs> it started with a kiss. Never thought it would come to this. Started with a kiss. Never thought it would come to this. Do you? You don't remember me, do you? You don't remember me, do you? <laughs> okay. All right, let's go through that again then. Just at the end of this episode. So as I skip back to the beginning, okay. Across the ooze to the Waveney, this is Radio Norwich. And now it's time for Alan's Love Bud. So we're watching um, Jill in the car, still smoking, always smoking, in the car. And she's listening to Alan's radio show. So we see Jill in the car. We also see Alan in the studio. This is the story of a woman, 50, and a chap in his early 40s. A 
chap in his early... So Alan in this episode is in his early 40s. God, he's like the same age as me. Oh, God, weird. This woman enraptured this man. This woman enraptured this man. If you feel enraptured, it means you feel a great feeling of delight. Okay, so excitement and, and delight. So this woman enraptured this man. She she made him feel fantastic. Made him feel what, 18 again or something? Made him feel 16 again. Made him feel 16, okay. He thought, I'm going to wear a T-shirt with crowded house written on the front of it. <laughs> he thought, I'm going to wear a T-shirt with crowded house written on the front of it. Uh, which is not a particularly um, extravagant thing to do, is it? Crowded House are a very, very middle-of-the-road group that make extremely inoffensive, soft uh, pop rock music. And so Alan's, I mean, this is supposed to be Alan kind of being extravagant and being impulsive. I'm going to wear a T-shirt with Crowded House written on the front of it. Uh, not that extravagant or compulsive, really. I will buy that copy of Punch Magazine. Punch Magazine, again, this is not particularly exciting or uh, extravagant stuff, but it just shows that in Alan's world, this is the sort of thing that you would do if you were enraptured by someone. You'd buy a, you'd just go crazy and wear a T-shirt with crowded house written on the front of it. Oh! You go, yes, I will buy that copy of Punch Magazine. But then... She committed a gross act upon his person. She committed a gross act upon his person. Again, more formal language. Um, She committed a gross act. Gross meaning disgusting, big, but also disgusting. A gross act on his person, which is a weird way of putting it. She did something gross to him, would be another way of putting it, but he's written it in this formal sort of language. She committed a gross act on his person. Uh, an act, I think he says, an act which is tantamount to vandalism. Vandalism, we know, which is like the destruction of property, um, criminal destruction of property. But he's saying that what she did to him is tantamount to vandalism, equivalent. Tantamount to means equivalent to, which basically means the same as. So he's basically saying that she vandalized his body. And so this is when... So he's going, he was enraptured by, by her. And he, she made him feel 16 again. But then she committed a gross act upon his person, which was tantamount to vandalism. And he realised that not only must they part company, but that he must also sack her from her job as his receptionist. He realised that not only would they have to part company, but he would also have to sack her as, uh, from her job as his receptionist. Uh, part of the problem was that she uh, did work for him and he had to sack her anyway. Uh, anyway, he thanks her for that stolen afternoon. He thanks her for that stolen afternoon. Stolen in a sense that, like, uh, a stolen afternoon could be an afternoon that was kind of, like, stolen, meaning that they managed to steal some time together. Sort of stolen out of their ordinary lives, you see? So it's kind of like a, 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 a an unexpected... Um, afternoon, a stolen afternoon, meaning, uh, you see what I mean? If you describe something as a stolen afternoon, it's kind of like an unexpected afternoon, which, uh, how can I explain that? Well, I mean, you know, the stolen is the past participle of steal. So, you know, to steal an afternoon, I suppose it's like they both stole an afternoon out of their normal lives. And it's, it's most, it's supposed to sound kind of romantic. So he thanks her for that stolen afternoon. 
But part of the... What was it? Anyway, he thanks her for that stolen afternoon. But, you know, even that it was stolen. Uh, it's not your property, love. You've got to give it back. <laughs> so if you say a stolen afternoon, it just means... It doesn't mean literally stolen. It's a metaphor. But then he's saying, but, you know, then again, it was stolen. It's not your property, love. You've got to give it back. So just to re-emphasise one more time, her contract has been terminated. <laughs> this is hot chocolate. It started with a kiss. It started with a kiss. Three minutes time, I'll be talking to Norfolk's youngest butcher. <laughs> so Alan's used his radio show as a way to actually break up with, uh, not only break up with Jill, but also sack her. So this is how she got the news. And then he goes, it's uh, in three minutes, I'll be talking to Norfolk's youngest butcher. (laughs) Just a typical feature on his show, Norfolk's youngest butcher. A butcher is someone who sells meat. So, I mean, this is a kind of entertaining guest that Alan's got on his show. In three minutes, I'll be talking to Norfolk's youngest butcher. So it's all just just all in a day's work for Alan, isn't it? This is hot chocolate. It started with a kiss. It started with a kiss. Three minutes' time, I'll be talking to Norfolk's youngest butcher. (laughs) And then we're treated to uh, Alan singing along to the song, which is something that DJs do, isn't it? They kind of sing along to the song that they're playing. But obviously, Alan... It's almost impossible to explain this, but this is just like so Alan, the way the singer in the record is being quite passionate and stuff. And Alan, when he sings the lines, he just kind of sounds like a psycho. Like, uh, you don't remember me, do you? Don't know. I can't explain it. It's just Alan. It started with a kiss. <laughs> Never thought it would come to this. And we see Jill. With a kiss. Jill in the taxi looking disappointed. Never thought it would come to this. So there you go. That was I'm Alan Partridge, Series 1, Episode 2, Alan Attraction. That's the end of this episode. I'm not going to ramble on for a lot longer. But of course, I am going to appeal to you to get in touch and to let me know what you think. Okay? As usual, I'm mystified and at a loss as to what you guys actually think of this. I've been saying this in every episode in this series, parts one, uh, parts four, five, and six, because I've recorded all of them without uploading any of them. See what I mean? Like, I haven't uploaded part four yet, so I don't know what your responses will be to parts four, five, and six. Just a feeling I have, so I have no idea. Um, I do know that, like, the vast majority of you, or at least I got quite a lot of responses from parts one, two, and three saying that you really liked it. So I hope it's the same story for parts four, five, and six. But again, I don't know. And this seems so specific and so kind of difficult to explain that I can't help thinking that no one out there is finding it funny or enjoyable at all. Um, But then again, you know, this is what I want to do. I don't want to do just normal content for learners of English, which is like, you know, you know, things, three things that you need to say instead of please. Like, what's wrong with saying please? You see a lot of videos on YouTube of saying, stop saying please, stop saying thank you, stop saying I'm fine, which basically are ways of, you know, teaching you alternatives to the usual cliches that learners of English uh, use. But um, I want to do content that's a little different to that kind of stuff, you know, the 15 expressions for blah, blah, blah. I've done that. I mean, I do that anyway, but I I also want to do stuff like this, which, um, you know, 
maybe doesn't go over very well with you. Or maybe it does. I don't know. Anyway, shut up, Luke. Stop worrying. It's fine. Okay, everything's fine. Thank you very much for listening. I'm going to end here. Uh, I'll speak to you on the podcast soon, though, in any form. In any form? What are you talking about? Any form. All right, sorry, in the form of a podcast. In some form, that's what I meant. I'll speak to you again on the podcast soon, in some form. But for now, it's just time to say goodbye. Bye, 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 bye. It started with a kiss. In three minutes, I'll be talking to Norfolk's youngest butcher. How could I resist the aroma of your perfume? You and I were inseparable. It was love at first sight. You made me promise to marry you. I made you promise to be my. But then you were only eight years old, and I had just about turned nine. I thought that life was always good. I thought you always would be mine. Started with a kiss. Never thought it would come to this. Started with a kiss. To this, you don't remember me, do you? You don't remember me, do you? You don't remember me, do you? Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.